Yes, for our October edition, we welcome back two guests with recommendations for what to read, watch and listen to as we head into the warmer months. This month, we're joined by Dr Amrita Marley from Flinders University and ANU, readying herself to chair a panel on multiculturalism in Malaysia at the Oz Asia Festival next month, so I'm sure that'll influence her picks. And Ben Doherty is Foreign Affairs Correspondent for The Guardian. Thank you and welcome back. Thanks, Geraldine. Hi. Now, to you first, Ben, and you've chosen the recently published memoir of Rory Stewart, the former Tory MP, uh, cabinet member in the Theresa May government and co-star of the Rest mm. is Politics podcast, someone once advised by Liz Trust to stop being so interesting. So uh, <laughs> um, is Politics on the Edge, his book, a compelling read or not? Look, he is an interesting human and it is an interesting book. Look, he is a very eclectic human being, long been rumours he was a spy. He's had these interesting jobs in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was a tutor to the princes Will and Harry. Um, I really enjoyed his earlier book. He, he walked, literally walked across Afghanistan and wrote a book about that experience. This is a completely different book. This is a memoir of his career in politics and He's not a person whose politics I necessarily find myself aligned with. I wasn't looking for a sort of fellow political traveller, I suppose. But he is someone who thinks seriously about the nature of democratic governance. And this is an excoriating account, to be honest. It's this brutal dissection of the recent, as he describes it, sort of misrule of the United Kingdom and this sort of insider's account of a nation in decline. He talks about the mendacity, the self-promotion, the ruthlessness of the people, most of them within his own party, obsessed with their own self-promotion and aggrandisement. He doesn't pull any punches. He, you know, he holds nothing but antipathy for Boris Johnson, who ultimately mm. beat him to the, the prime ministership. Rory Stewart was at, at one stage a contender to be the, uh, the prime minister of, of the UK. And the book is really interesting in that it reflects his own experience in politics. It begins with this sort of very uh, florid, excited style, all this hope and promise. And by the end, both Rory Stewart and the book are sort of ill-tempered and disillusioned and almost mm. destroyed by the process of machine politics. And the book just sort of suddenly ends and Rory retreats home to drink tea, which strikes well, me as a very I mean, English if... response to losing an election. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, he refuses to rule out returning and standing mm. again in some form. So, it, you know, I want to just put that in for a bit of context. I think so, and I think perhaps that returning home to drink tea was a, a sort of moment of reflection about, well, if I if he is to go into politics, how is he to do it in a way that accords with his values and belief? But, I mean, by the end of the book, I, I felt a sort of deep disenchantment at, at that point. I'm also a fan of, of the podcast. I think the way they, they sort of range across the world and, and, and politics from opposite sides, I suppose, of the political spectrum is, a, is, is an engaging read. Mm. Alistair, like Alistair Campbell's the, his co-host. Alistair Campbell, his, um, his, uh, yeah, his uh, co-conspirator there. If you like him on the podcast, I think you'll really enjoy the book. Okay, good. Good to hear. Amrita, your reading pick is The Accidental Malay, great title, mm. by Karina Robles Barin, I think it is. Now, I know That's this right. caused some controversy in Malaysia when it was released last year because it tackles the subject of race, which people there avoid explicitly talking about, I know. Uh, tell us what it's about, please. It does actually tackle it quite um, explicitly. So it's about a businesswoman who inherits her family business and the business makes pork jerky. And so she's, you know, she's wealthy off the back of, you know, selling pork and she moves in wealthy circles between, you know, the condominiums of Kuala Lumpur and the family mansions of Ipoh. And she's got a really complicated family life, a really messy romantic life. Uh, and most importantly, she thinks she's Chinese until her grandmother dies, who's the matriarch of the family. Uh, and she's looking through some documents 
and she finds out that she's actually Malay. You know, as you know, Geraldine, mm-hmm. if, if you're in Malaysia and you're classed by the state as Malay, you are a Muslim by definition. Mm-hmm. And yet she's a pork dealer. Uh, she's not married. She drinks heavily. She's got two boyfriends. And she also realizes at one stage that she's pregnant. So, you know, she's behaving in every way that you shouldn't behave if you want to get along in life as a Malay and a Muslim in Malaysia. So it sounds like a, a, an interesting mix of both public and private, if you know what I mean. So she's decided yeah. to set this as a story of a young woman, but to set it in a That's broader right. context. Does she pull that off, would you say? I mean, I think it's fascinating in how, in, the, in terms of how it actually does do that public-private mix. So, you know, as the book points out, and there's some quite cutting commentary here and there, you know, your every move is surveilled, you know, not mm-hmm. only by the state and its agencies, uh, not to mention politicians who will make, you know, lots of mileage out of the behaviour and the comportment of Malay Muslims in Malaysia, uh, but also by your neighbours, the public, your family, and so on. So there is quite a structure for shaping the behaviour of Malay Muslims in, in Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Um, and this young woman who thought she was Chinese until five minutes ago, realises that she will have to deal with it. And so the novel is about how she processes all of that. And it's quite a comment on how scary it can be when you're on the wrong side of that structure and when your life comes up for discussion by everybody else. So she runs through options. I should have asked, Mm -hmm. is it fiction or non-fiction? It's fiction. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So it wasn't her sort of taking that gigantic risk of doing this. And look, I can't resist Mm. uh, asking you about a second book you've mentioned to us because it does sound fascinating. Tell us about Behind Barbed Wire by Tan Teng Fee, which also goes to the issue of race in Malaysia. Exactly. And it's just a fantastic book, can I say. I recommend it to to all and sundry. So it's a social history of the new villages or detention camps, basically, that were set up to hold Malayan Chinese who were detained during the Malayan emergency, which ran from 1948 to 1960, uh, and which structured the way that Malaya was ultimately decolonised. So there were more than 500 of these camps, uh, and their very name, the new villages, was a total euphemism, like so many of the terms that we use to describe the emergency. They were like a spatial and psychosocial intervention in restructuring Malaya's Chinese minority uh, on the eve of decolonization. And I think it's such an important book, you know, because there's so much written on the Malayan emergency and so much of it is frankly about white people, about British and Australian soldiers, um, as if the Malayans were just there as background scenery. And yet, you know, Tan's book is such an excellent corrective to all of that because he really gets into life in the camps, shows what it was like to be living there and subjected to this intense process of, you know, social and inner reconstruction uh, while you're basically being made into a politically acceptable minority for a nation state that is going to be gifted by the British effectively to their preferred conservative nationalists. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Mm. That sounds very interesting indeed. Now back to you, Ben, for your watching pick, which is Babylon Berlin. Berlin. Let's take a listen before you tell us why you recommended it. Wer ihn umgebracht hat, wird sich die Unterwelt zum Feind machen. So I think we're up to season four of this thriller, Ben, set in Weimar-era Berlin. So the look is very much flapper dresses and smoky nightclubs with sort of menace in the background because we do know what comes. What makes it a good watch for you? Look, I think it perhaps is, uh, certainly part of it is the juxtaposition of those things. You sort of see the ostentatious 
decadence of, of the nightclubs of the era up against the sort of the grinding poverty that was most people's lives and these, as you sort of allude to, they're these great emergent political forces, these twin totalitarianisms emerging. So there is this underlying menace to it. We also got a sense, I, I think, from that little soundscape there, it's luxuriously almost sort of lasciviously shot this uh, this uh, this series and it is I found it absolutely captivating um, we are up to about series four I'm a bit late getting into this some friends have recommended to it and I just found myself sort of drawn into this world almost um, immediately for those who haven't seen it it is a very intense watch it's it's quite violent it's highly sexualized but it's it's sort of overwhelming um, it looks amazing on screen the characters are, are, are extraordinary and it is a genuine thriller in every sense of the word so yeah. I'm, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of deep in it at the moment I, I sort of have to pace myself a bit because it's yeah. so much if you know what I mean it, it, what's it on by is it Netflix I'm watching it on Netflix, Netflix yeah, so yeah it's on Netflix mm. I, we're, we're very much the same in our household it's it's one episode a night because I just can't now, Amrita, you haven't been doing much watching, but you have been listening. So we're going to go straight to your podcast pick and you're recommending Empire, which stars William Dalrymple, uh, the British historian, and sometimes Simon Seabag Montefiore, the similarly distinguished historian, and um, Anita Anand, who's from the BBC. And the latest season covers the Russian Empire. Let's take another quick listen. What I think is interesting about the Russian Empire is because it's contiguous with Russia in the way that, say, the British Empire was not or the French Empire was not, it's very easy to forget for much of Russian history that it is an empire at all. But it was, in fact, one of the great empires of history. And between the 17th century and the 20th, if you count the advances made by the Russian Empire, you end up on average, with 55 square miles per day being added to it. And that's 20,000 square miles a year. And by the late 19th century, they ruled one-sixth of the Earth's surface and was still expanding uh, yeah. when the Russian Revolution took place. Yes, explains a lot about where we are now. What are you enjoying about this podcast? Oh, well, I've just been enjoying how comprehensive it is. So, you know, the first series was on the British Empire, uh, and it goes over quite a lot of work that Dalrymple did himself in his books that he's written, uh, and along with a few other key episodes that a lot of people are interested in. So it covers, you know, the, the rise of the East India Company, the formalisation of British rule, the 1857 mutiny, the Kohina Diamond, the national movement decolonisation. It really covers everything. So it kind of has this way, this very artful way of picking out some of the best, most interesting stories uh, and really doing an excellent job of them. Uh, it's run by serious people and it's... Um, you know, very attractive, which is something that I think is really, you know, worth paying attention to because, you know, opportunities for historians are not, there are not, not very many of them. Yes. And yet history is very attractive, um, which is why so many non-historians seem to want to dabble in it, right? Uh, which is why as well, you know, when you, when you hear something like this, which is done by qualified, serious people, uh, and it really covers everything and does justice to it, uh, it really is, you know, very impressive indeed. And I believe it's very popular. I think I saw it's on Twitter popular. that Malcolm Turnbull listens to it. Well, similar yeah. to the rest is history with with, um, Tom Holland and Dominic Sambrook. Can I just express a personal view? I do find Anita, <laughs> I, I, I really would prefer her to take a, more of a back seat than she does. I, 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 but there we are. Maybe that's just a very personal um, personal uh, sense I have. And you've also been listening to an ABC podcast, Firebomb, which I heard the other day on the Perth restaurant firebombings of, what, mm. uh, 25, 30 years ago. Gosh, it was good. Tell us why you liked it. 
Well, I like it so much because it's this slice of Asian Australian history. And of course, it's, you know, terrifying. It's about a spate of fire bombings targeting Chinese restaurants in Perth in 1988 uh, that were carried out by neo Nazis uh, led by a Dutch Indonesian Vietnam veteran who became a total fascist uh, called Jack Van Tongeren. And the series is made and presented by an actor, Crispian Chan, whose own family's restaurant was firebombed during this period. And it's just so excellent to listen to him and, and the warmth with which he narrates uh, the story, including how his own life was turned upside down. And it really takes me back. I was actually a kid in Perth in 1988. And I was, of course, you know, so confident, had no perception that this was a threat uh, or that it was scary at all. But, you know, I've actually stopped in the street and looked at the posters, uh, the Asians out posters that they put up uh, myself. I've read every word mm. of them without any sense that, you know, this was actually a scary thing. And, and you know, listening to Crispian tell the story so many years later, uh, it really does, you know, take me back. And and I'm the same, you know, like I, I can't listen to it all at once. I've got to listen to it slowly, in bits, in fragments, because nobody needs their youthful confidence shaken up all at once. So, you know, there's a bit, there's a bit of that stuff going on, but it's a fantastic series. I really recommend it. It's, it's beautifully done, I must say. And look, it's wonderful to have a music recommendation, Ben. You've picked the Beatles' White Album, listening presumably not for the first time. Is there a favourite song, I might ask? you not an easy task for such a classic work it is it is an absolutely cracking album um my my reason for becoming reacquainted and we were never ever estranged um uh, this album and i um is that i'm in the very fortunate position of having paul mccartney tickets through it through a friend uh, oh, later this month so I'm, I'm ridiculously excited about that so i and i just keep returning to this album it feels like it sort of it almost overflows with this effervescent creativity of the band at their peak of their creative powers. It's just a magnificent album. My daughter's name is Molly um, and we love, and there's only a few chords so I can bash it out on the guitar, um, we love Oh Blood Dee, Oh Blood Da. Um, so that's, that's, that's probably my vote. Not the most complex not the most complex <laughs> track. Um, I think John Lennon hated that, didn't he? Oh Blood Dee, Oh Blood Da. I, I'm led to believe it also led to some strange sort of legalish trouble that someone wanted a songwriting credit because they'd given them the Beatles the expression oh blah dee, oh blah da. Someone will know will know the backstory more better than I. But um it's just a joyous it's just a joyous song. Desmond and Molly Jones. It's just glorious. Okay, lovely. Well we might have a little listen as well. And thank you, Ben and Amrita, for putting together these recommendations, which should keep us all very busy. I do appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Geraldine. And look, let's just feast ourselves on oh blah dee, oh blah da. Ben Doherty's choice and also Babylon Berlin was his choice and the other text, the other podcast is The Rest is Politics for those who asked. Next up, the award-winning journalist Michael Gawenda in reflective mode. <laughs> 